welcome to the Goes and Girls podcast. Goes and Girls is an online book club for women which aims to empower and inspire women through the lessons we learn reading non-fiction books. In this week's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Yasmin Boland, author of Moonology, to the podcast. We'll be talking about all things rising signs, horoscopes, new moons, full moons, you name it. We pretty much talk about it. I'm really, really excited to share this episode with you. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Yasmin. My pleasure to have. So good to have you. I'm so excited. Since I started the podcast, I really wanted to have you as a guest. So thank you so much for um, giving up some of your time to come and chat to us. My pleasure. Just to start off to kind of introduce you to the Goes and Girls community and anyone that hasn't maybe um, heard about you and your book, Um, do you want to just start with an introduction to you and your journey and how you kind of got where you are now? All right. So, well, my name is Yasmin Boland. I'm an astrologer. I'm a moonologer. I'm a best-selling Hay House author. Uh, A couple of books. One's called Moonology, which uh, is all about working with the magic of the lunar cycles. And that's been in the Amazon astrology bestsellers lists, the top 10, for more than two years, which is kind of amazing. That's amazing. Uh, I know, I know. I think they decided to publish that at exactly the right time as people were getting more and more interested in working with the moon. Yeah. Um, I've been working with the moon for about 20 years. And, uh, I mean, I know your audience is particularly interested in books, so I'll just say that book, Moonology, if anyone's read it or they're going to read it, it actually came out of a workshop that I did here in London. I'd, um, I'd, just, I'd always done workshops on astrology, even though my site was called Moonology and basically I was always writing about Moonology. And for any astrologers out there, I'll tell them my moon is conjunct my MC, which is basically... I mean, it's like another way of saying moonology is my career. Um, But I've never actually done a workshop on the moon, which is quite strange, given I've been doing workshops about astrology for about 20 years. And uh, then I did a – I don't know if you know, I think it's called the mind-body experience or mind-body-spirit experience. They have it at um, Alexandra Palace, Ali Pali in London once a year. And – so I was invited to do a little talk there, which I did, and it actually didn't go very well. Though. It's one of those times when, you know, like the audio-visual stuff all fails and I couldn't get my PowerPoint to work and it was just all chaos. Yeah. But eventually I just yeah. I, I just plowed on through and we all actually had a really fun time talking about the moon and I was like, gosh, why haven't I done this before? And when I went home that night, I actually wrote to Hay House, who I already had a deal with to write another book, which is called um, Astrology Made Easy. It's basically how to learn astrology. And I wrote and I said, listen, I know I'm doing this book with you already, but if ever you want a book on the moon, um, I'd love to do it. I've been teaching about the moon or writing about the moon for 20 years, and I've literally just done my first workshop and it was amazing um you know it was kind of a disaster but we still had a really nice time 
I would love to write a book about the moon for you. And she wrote back literally the next day. That was I'm Amy Kybert, who's the commissioning editor at Hay House. And she was like, yes, absolutely. In fact, we want it ASAP. And I was like, okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So that's how that came about. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm an ex-journalist. I used to be a journalist. Um, I was, you know, like a really proper cadet journalist trained on a newspaper, uh, worked on newspapers and magazines, uh, including here in London. Um, I've lived in London on and off for about 25 years, um, um, even though I've got an Australian accent. And uh, worked on, you know, I worked on what they used to call Fleet Street and um, I used to work, I used to be a TV producer as well before I kind of went down this alley. I used to work on Planet 24, which did the big breakfast and the word for people who are a bit old will remember that. And, uh, yeah, and I just kind of, segued into um, astrology after becoming quite disenchanted with the direction that journalism was going about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now basically it's all I do. So I basically write a lot about astrology <laughs> and, and moonology. Mm-hmm. So that's me in a nutshell. Not a very I small mean, nutshell. <laughs> no, that's so interesting. I hadn't realised that you'd done all those other things as well. I think it's so interesting when you yourself look at somebody and you think, oh, they must, like, I look at you and I think, oh, you must have just done astrology, like, your whole life. You're right. <laughs> so it's really nice to hear that you've done other things as well. No, in fact, what happened was I was a, I was a regular journalist and um, I was a bit disenchanted with, astro- with journalism because it was just becoming more and more like it is now, which is, you know, dumbing down and just – I don't know, it just wasn't the same as it was when I started. And a girlfriend at the time uh, gave me a whole box of astrology books. Uh, In fact, she gave me four milk crates full of astrology books because she was doing a clear out. She was an astrologer. And they were all the most famous sort of iconic titles I now realise. And um, and I – Basically what happened was I had them and I started reading them and she showed me how to do basic astrology with an ephemeris and all that and uh, so I could figure out where my planets were and where everyone else's planets were and she hooked me up with a free astrology program and I became really obsessed with it and it kind of all went from there. That's, that's how I ended up doing this. But if you look at my chart, Moon Conjunct the MC is basically, you know, it really is so not surprising. I've got a website called Moonology, and uh, I've also got Mercury sextile Uranus um, from my um, third to my sixth house. So that also says astrology writer. Uh, Anyone who does astrology will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like I, I vaguely know. Like astrology is a very new thing for me, but um, I mean. Uh, I and I know we spoke about this I use your book like all the time I'm constantly like referring to it looking at it um and that's actually something that I I kind of wanted to ask you which is for anybody who's really new to moonology and this Thing that I didn't realize until I read your book was about how your rising sign can be so much more accurate than your your like your standard star sign so like I'm my star sign is Libra but my rising sign is Leo and whenever I look at the moon and you know which house I'm in and I follow the my rising sign it's so much more accurate would you say that that your rising sign is the most important sign so um what it is Donna it's quite uh, straightforward in a way. Um, 
your chart is more or less a snapshot of the heavens, literally like a photograph of the heavens at the moment that you were born. So, you know, that's where Venus was and that's where the sun was and that's where Mercury was and that's where Jupiter was and so on. So if you took a photo of the, of the sky, if you were able to do a sort of 360-degree picture of the sky at the moment you were born and then translate that onto paper, that's what your horoscope actually is. Um, the rising sign is arguably the most important point and it's definitely the most personal point on the horoscope because um, unlike your horoscope which is as I said a snapshot of the planets where you were born you know anyone who was born on the same day as you will have more or less the same configuration in their chart although uh, there'll be some variations with the moon because the moon moves very fast so someone born on the same day as you 12 hours earlier will have their moon in a different position to your moon but it, you know there's a good chance it will be in the same sign even although you know it can change signs as well the rising sign is actually a different matter it's it's actually dictated by the constellation of stars okay that was coming up over the eastern horizon at the time and the place that you were born so your rising sign, for example, if you were born in, you know, at 8 a.m. in Germany uh, and at the exact same moment, exact same moment in time, someone was born in Peru, say, you would have a different rising sign because there'd be a different constellation coming up over the eastern horizon at the time of your birth. So it, it's the most personal point because it's dictated by the time, date, and place of your birth, and it will change within a few miles of, of where you were born. And certainly, you know, someone who was born on the same day as you, but two hours later, it will be a different sign. So um, now, what that rising sign does, I know it's a long explanation, but there's no short way to explain this. And I've actually been trying to write the definitive post on my website to answer this question because I get it so often and I, it just becomes complicated. It just becomes complicated. But basically what it is, is the sign that's rising in your chart becomes the first house on your chart. Now, what's a house? There are 12 houses in the chart and they're related to you know, your appearance, uh, cash, property and possessions, the way you communicate, your home and family and personal life and so on. There's 12, you know, love life, career, all this sort of thing. Now, whichever sign you have on the first house rules your, basically is the starting point for your chart. So we all have all 12 signs in our chart, but the starting point, which is when you look at the chart, it's nine o'clock is the sign that was rising. So do you tell me your rising sign? Yeah, so my rising sign is Leo. So that means that Leo is on your first house. So then we know the next sign of the zodiac is Virgo. Yeah. Therefore, Virgo is on your second house, which means you basically yeah. spend money like a Virgo. And uh, after that, we have Libra. So that's on your third house. So you communicate like a Libra. Yeah. And after yeah. that, we get Scorpio, which is your fourth house, which is home and family. So your home life is Scorpionic. And around it goes. So it's very hard to explain without kind of completely bamboozling people. Yeah. But, yeah. If, <laughs> but if you... Therefore, if you read your rising sign, uh -huh. you will effectively be getting a reading that is akin 
to what an astrologer would say to you in a one-to-one session if you're having a one-to-one astrology reading because, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I really have tried. I've been trying for a year to summarise this better, but it's it's hard to explain. I think that's amazing. It's like getting a reading on your personal chart is the short answer. Yeah, it's so – I just find it so magical that everybody everybody signs and horoscope is different. I just think – it's amazing when you start looking into it. I can totally see how, you know, when your friend gifted you those astrology books that you just became really fascinated with it. It's, it's so interesting. Yes. And actually what happened was I was a freelance journalist at the time. I was a freelance writer. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'd written a novel as well. And um, basically I became so obsessed with astrology that I was doing sort of three to four hours astrology a day because I worked from home, you know, and I was in front of my computer. So I'd literally be reading about it for three to four hours a day, doing lots of um, groups. There weren't Facebook groups back in those days, but we had the sort of online groups where everyone was exchanging ideas and so on. I became completely obsessed to the point that after a while I thought I can't keep doing this because, um, you know, I'm not doing any writing. I'm literally like losing money because instead of spending four hours, you know, sending out ideas to editors for articles I could write, I'm sitting here studying astrology. This is ridiculous. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was there at the time, um, who's also a journalist. So she knew what I was talking about. And I said, this has just gone too far. So I said, I think I just should stop this. And she said, okay. So, um, we got all the books that my friend had given me. Um, she's an astrologer called Jessica Adams. She'd given me all these books. And so I said, I'm going to take all these books Jessica's given me, and I'm going to put them back into these blasted milk crates which were in the garage. So I went and got the milk crates, took all the books, put them back in the milk crates, took them downstairs to the garage. Yeah. I was living in Bondi Beach in Sydney at the time. So my friend and I did that and then we went back upstairs and had a cup of tea. And within the half hour, um, my flatmate of the time, who was this French guy, came in and he had the four milk crates with him, two in each hand, And he came in and he plonked the books in the middle of the living room and said, I found these in the garage. What are they doing down there? They are yours, no? And I was like, (laughs) okay. And my friend and I looked at each other and thought, okay, we get the message. It's okay for me to do astrology. (laughs) So, in fact, what I did was I then actually went and spent $500 which is um, which was a lot of money at the time. It still is a lot of money, um, but it was a really a lot of money for me back then. And uh, it was probably about I don't know three hundred, four hundred pounds. And I bought the most the top um, computer solifier um, astrology software that you could get. And I thought, okay, well, I'll take that as a sign that I should actually do this seriously. Mm. And that basically is what led to me ending up doing what I'm doing now. Amazing. That's incredible. I love that. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? Love it. So we're in the new moon at the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about this particular moon and what we can expect? Sure, sure. Okay, so this month, the new moon, which actually took place uh, yesterday, as we're speaking today, um, took place in the sign of Scorpio. Now, there are various ways to analyze a new moon. 
Um, the most important thing is, I think, to set your intentions. That's To me, that's the most important thing of all. Um, and you have about three days to do it. So um, ideally, we would have done it yesterday. Uh, I, I actually normally do all my wishes and everything on the day, but we've just moved house, so I'm in a bit of chaos. But yep. that's fine because you've got about three days to do, to do your wishes. So... Um, there's that. But the other thing as well is then you look at the sign that it's in and you can work with that. So, for example, uh, this sign, that having the new moon in the sign of Scorpio is uh, effectively going to be really good for things like, for one thing, having a look at your sex life. You know, is it down the dumper? And if so, what are you going to yeah. do about it? Um it's actually good because, you know, Scorpio rules the eighth house on the natural chart, which is finances, so it can be a really good time to uh, think about where you are financially and to make some commitments financially. Um, it's also a time where you can sort of – it's a really good time to just kind of exhale a bit because the Scorpio energy can be very, very discombobulating and uh, the, the time of the um, – Scorpio new moon can be a really good time to think, you know, have I been kind of a little bit too intense? Have I been um, Scorpio energy tends to be even paranoid? It can be very angry, you know, the Scorpio thing. And uh, so it's a good time to kind of make inner peace and make sure that you're not allowing all those negative emotions to overwhelm you. And I just want to say as well for anyone who's listening to this going, oh, that doesn't sound very nice. I'm a Scorpio. I don't like what she's saying about Scorpio. As I explained when I was explaining about the chart, we all have Scorpio in our chart somewhere. So, you know, if you happen to be, um, say, Libra rising, then Scorpio will rule your second house of cash, property, and possession. So you'll spend money like a Scorpio. If you happen to be, say, Taurus rising, uh, then um, Scorpio will rule your seventh house of relationships so you will love like a Scorpio you know so don't you know don't don't feel bad um if you're a Scorpio and you're hearing these negative things but Scorpio is where we hold grudges for example so just say you've got Scorpio on the seventh house of love which is relationships you know it can be that you can be someone who does hold grudges so you know and Scorpio is about it can be a grudge holding sign so it's a good time the new moon is a good time to think you know what well, I'm letting go of these grudges so there's that way to analyze um the new moon but then you also what I mean that's kind of like the basics but what you can also do is you can actually look at what else is going on in the skies at the time of the new moon and that's when you get into sort of more um, astrology rather than moonology uh, so I mean there's a couple yeah. of things one is that one of the major one of the um, tightest planetary links at the time of uh, the Scorpio new moon this month is that Venus which is retrograde right now in the sign of Libra is connecting with Mars. So Venus and Mars is all about the love life. And it can be, um, you know, because yeah. Venus is retrograde uh, and this, the new moon is in the sign of Scorpio, which has a very strong sexual energy, it can actually be a good time to reconnect sexually with your partner, for example, if things haven't been, you know, everything you'd like them to be. Or if you've been single, it can be a good time to meet someone 
you that you're going to be able to express this energy with, for example. Um, but then also this week we, and this month we've got so much going on. It's one of the biggest weeks of the year because we've got the planet Jupiter changing signs, which only happens uh, once every 12 months, um, moving from Scorpio into Sagittarius. Uh, which is going to affect everyone in different ways. It's going to be about the the changing fortunes. Um, And we've also got the planet of chaos and mayhem Uranus moving backwards, uh, retrograding back into from Taurus into Aries. So there's so much going on in the skies this week, it's almost hard to keep up, yeah. So you kind of want to take all that into account as well when you're looking at the astrology of it. But if you just want to do the moonology, um, the other thing is to work out where in your chart the new moon is taking place. So um, say, for example, for you as a Leo, have you have you worked it out? For you as a Leo, the new moon will be taking place in your fourth house, which a uh, Leo rising rather, will be taking place in your fourth house, which is home and family. So for you, it's a new start in your personal life. It's a new start to do with your home life. Uh, with your family you know you'd say if there's been an upset with the family it's a very good time to fix things up um you know and and anything to do with your personal life and then the venus mars connection is actually going from your third house to your seventh house which is actually kind of backing up the idea that things in your personal life can get better from here on in amazing that's good to hear (laughs) yay (laughs) so um if we uh I'm I'm really interested in um, hearing about how the moon like has worked for people and um, for instance last month uh, well uh, just a couple of weeks ago with the full moon um, I was going through a lot of sort of career stuff and when I looked into it it was that actually that the full moon was in the, my sort of, my house that was also in my career. Um, it kind of felt right for me and it felt like, ah, oh, so that's why that's happening. Has there been, and I'm sure there's, there've been loads of time, but has there been like one kind of real standout time for you where maybe you manifested something in the moon or an occasion where moonology has just really, really worked for you? Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> They've been a million times, a million times. Um, I mean, other. I mean, you know, this is like this is like my big thing. It's like my life purpose. You know, moonology for me, like to me, it just works all the time. Yeah. Really, I mean, I hope that doesn't sound too strange, but you know, um, I mean, I suppose that the one, the biggest. The biggest story in a way, I suppose, I mean, so many things. Like as soon as I discovered New Moon Wishing, um, which I did in about, I don't know, 1999 or something like that or a bit earlier, I'm not sure. But as soon as I discovered it, it just started changing my life. And, you know, it changed my life to the point where, um, I mean, I honestly believe that, I am meant to teach this stuff, not not because I'm anyone special, just, you know, I think anybody who gets it probably is meant to teach it. Um, I just think that, you know, back in the day, women and wise women and witches were making magic and bending reality. Yeah. And, you know, then we got stopped from doing that by the powers that were. Um, yeah and, you know, burned at the stake and hung and drowned. 
so that nobody dared to do that anymore because, you know, like why would you and why would you teach your daughter to do something that might end up with her being burnt at the stake? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And, you know, the information went underground for a long time and in some ways was commandeered by men as well. And now it's all coming back. And it was about 1999 when there was the harmonic concordance um, and a couple of eclipses. And I was writing about and reading about astrology back at the time of um, that. It's Actually, do you remember when there was the big eclipse in the UK when the skies went dark and everyone went down to Cornwall? Yeah, so that, we have loads of photos of that in my house. <laughs> right. Okay. So that was um, – I'm pretty sure that was the one where at the time everybody, including me, or maybe I don't even know if everyone else was saying it, but I remember talking about it and saying it's the, I don't even know how I knew this, to be honest, but I knew it. And we were, I was saying it, I'm pretty sure other people were saying it, that it was the beginning of the reemergence of the divine feminine. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing and this is i believe this is part of that and you know so was hillary clinton part of that and so is the me too movement part of that and so is pretty much everything you can think about women and the moon and manifesting i believe it's all coming back and i'm going to be completely frank i haven't said this before but um have you managed to see that netflix series the handmaid's tale no, I haven't. I've heard so much about it, but I haven't actually watched it myself. Yeah, no, it's kind of terrifying. It's about, you know, basically it's as, as though um, an extremist right-wing government has taken over the states and, you know, women have had all their rights taken away from them in a nutshell. And, you know, I do kind of watch that and it gives me chills because it reminds me of what it must have been like in the burning times when literally millions and millions of women were burned, you know, alive for things like having a cat, having a black cat, you know, um, and I always think, you know, please God and please goddess, it could never happen again. Um, but, you know, there is this element that I think, you know, uh, in a way sometimes I think, well, I, I always joke, well, they can't burn us now, ha-ha. And then I think, well, they probably could burn us if they really wanted to. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like um, I feel like this is all part of that. And so yeah. – What's happening is people are starting to use, especially moonology, but even just the law of attraction, all the information that's coming through on that. It's about the fact that we have these powers. And if you speak to people like me or Sonia Choquette or there's this Australian manifestation teacher, Sarah Prout, you know, they will all tell you that um, the, the earth is a school of manifestation and, you know, we are here to learn how to manifest. And yeah. In a way, since I wrote Moonology, I think what's come out of it is that the thing that fascinates me the most is the power of of us to use the moon to manifest. And that's kind of where I am with it now. And, you know, I'm just looking at your at the chart for Leo rising um, for you last, last month and, you know, you did have the full moon in your 10th house, which is your career. But more than that, it triggered the planet of chaos and change Uranus, which is also in, in, was in your 10th house if you're Leo rising. Um, so, you know, anyone with Leo rising would expect big changes, yeah, which there were big changes last month. <laughs> yeah. 
But all this stuff, you know, women traditionally, um, you know, took a back seat. Men, the astrologers who were famous, uh, you know, who were celebrated, who were recognised back in the day were all men. Like if you study astrology, 98% of the books that you will read, especially the ones that were written anything more than, say, 50, 50 to 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, some women started getting in on the act. But essentially they were 99% male, I would say. And uh, and I'm you know I'm thinking of all the big famous names from the past. Um, I won't bother naming them because nobody would know them. But um, and but women were doing this quietly in their bedrooms or in their kitchens or in their you know living rooms or whatever in their wherever they lived five hundred years ago, and um, you know and making tinctures by the moon phase and making spells by the moon phase and um, advising that you know their their daughters or their friends or their clients by the moon phase, and uh, yeah, and it just got stamped out. Literally, it's got it got stamped out by the burning times, which lasted for hundreds of years, and now it's back, and we can use it. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so glad it's back. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Talking a little bit then about books, um, and and you've mentioned sort of a couple of things. Um, what kind of what books do you feel have really helped you on your way? Like, are there any standout books that you would recommend? Or I would say, <sighs> obviously, your book, Moonology. <laughs> Moonology, yes. And also, if you want to learn astrology, I do have a book called Astrology Made Easy, which is, I, I absolutely uh, love that book because I, I wrote it and then I um, I got two astrologer friends of mine to sort of read it because I was absolutely terrified of having any mistakes in there. Um, and they actually read it, but also they added some extra um some extra layers, you know, because all astrologers have different focuses, so they added a few little extra layers of um, amazement. So if you want to learn astrology, I highly recommend my book, Astrology Made Easy. Excuse me, I've been told by lots of people that it really, really, really helped them. Uh, it's the first book they've ever read that actually helped them to understand astrology. And one of the things I did in Astrology Made Easy was I, which I sort of convinced Hay House about, was I actually did it so that what happens is you go to a particular site and you print out your chart, but it's not a complicated printout. It's a list, literally a list sort of thing. So it helps helps people to really understand astrology. So I'm just looking actually as we speak on the internet. Uh, I just typed in famous astrology books to think what would I recommend. So I've got a few here to prompt me. So um, if you're interested in the moon, one of the first books that anybody who's interested in the moon should read is The Lunation Cycle, which is by a man called Dane Rudyard. But if you just type The Lunation Cycle, Dane, D-A-N-E, um, you'll get his book. That's really, really amazing. Um, anything by Liz Green, she's one of the more modern female astrologers who's really well known. I would say anything by Robert Hand, um, but especially his book uh, Planets in Transit. Once you start getting into astrology, um, you need to get a copy of that book Planets in Transit. It will help you to understand um, how to make predictions. Um, 
There's also, what else is there? Let's have a look. Um, quite interesting, very well loved by astrologers, but kind of it's not sort of a how-to book, but it's um, kind of a good background book, which is called Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas. Um, it's a very big book with lots of very big ideas, uh, but it's very, very good if you want to kind of get um, like the big picture of astrology. Um Another really good one, especially because it helps heal um, fear, is a book called Healing Pluto Problems, which is by Donna Cunningham, because people get quite freaked out if they have um, if they have Pluto issues in their chart, because Pluto is a big, little, very little, scary planet, and people get freaked out. Um, another really good one if you're starting astrology is Aspects in Astrology. I mean, it's like to me that's absolutely vital uh, by Sue Tompkins, who's English. Um, and I also loved Secrets from a Stargazer's Notebook by Debbie Kempton Smith. And I really want, I just want to mention uh, New Moon Astrology and Astrology for the Soul by Jan Spiller, which are both amazing books as well. Wow. Well, we'll all be hitting up Amazon later. <laughs> yes, yes. Amazing. Um, actually, let me just say to you, Donna, I actually think on my website, yasmindolan.com, yeah. I do have a page. Yeah, if you click the link books, I've got a list of recommended books on there somewhere. Right, that's perfect. Thank you. Um, what book are you currently reading? Uh, I'm preparing for a workshop that I'm giving on the weekend, which is sold out. Um and it's called Women's Ritual. The book I'm reading is called Women's Rituals, and it's by Barbara Walker. And uh, I'm just, I just thought I'd take a look at the book to, to sort of come up with some ideas for rituals because one thing about working with the moon is that doing rituals actually makes it, it kind of grounds the energy and makes it much easier. So I thought I'd take a look in that book and, and see what, it, what might inspire me from there. And do you tend to read um, non-fiction or do you tend to read fiction? Uh, yes, 99.9% of the time, yes. I mean, I, I do love watching movies, but I don't read many novels anymore. Same. Well, it's just definitely the same for me, and I think it's probably yeah. the same for most of our listeners. So. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. Yeah, so interesting. Um, so what's next for you? Like, what, what are you most excited about for 2019? to do next well I'm actually about to start work on my 2020 diary for Hay House uh, which I have to finish quite quickly um, but it doesn't take that long to write um, so I'm looking forward to doing the diary and I'm very excited for the diary but one thing I'm really keen to do is I'm keen to introduce the element of sound into my work and uh, so I'm looking at mantras and uh yeah, mantras for the moon, and that's going to be incorporated into the diary. But I'm hoping to do a whole book on basically how to deepen your practice because moonology was very much about the theory, and now I want to give some practical elements as well. Well, that sounds so exciting. Oh, can you tell us a little bit about your obviously, you know, you're doing workshops, you're traveling, you're writing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your own self care routine? Like, what is it that you do? to make sure that you're looking after yourself? So, look, I have a really, really wonderful husband who really basically lets me 
leave it the rhythm that I need to. So we have our child, Louis, who's 12, who's, uh, you know, our beloved son. Um, but, you know, he will, for example, let me decide, oh, well, today I think I'm going to, you know, take Louis to, because we've just moved house, Louis's on doing a new um a new transit on the transport to get to school. So, you know, some days we're taking him just while he gets used to it. And, you know, if I feel like, oh, I think I need a break, I need some fresh air, I'll go and get a coffee, I'll take Louis to school and have a coffee, you know, he's fine with that. And if I'm like, oh, darling, I just need to, you know, have a bit of a sleep in today, you know, can you take Louis? Yes, yes, fine. I mean, my self-care is really a lot tied up with my husband looking after me and taking a lot of the burdens off me. And, like, again, with moving house, I've basically done nothing. I've basically just kept working surrounded by boxes. Um, but I think probably my biggest regular self-care uh, things would be, um, for one thing, I aim to do a daily meditation or, yeah, at least one a day. Um and the other thing I do a lot, but I am a Cancerian moon child, so maybe it appeals to me more than some people, but I absolutely love hot baths. I really relax in the bath. I have some of my best ideas in the bath. Um, in our previous place where we were living for the past five years, um, we could close the door and there were no windows in the bathroom, which sounds horrible, but actually uh, it was brilliant because it was completely dark. So, um, you know, I would turn off the lights and I would get non-toxic candles and uh, put on some, you know, amazing music and just sit in the in the either in the dark or just by candlelight. And I'd do that on a very regular basis, like at least once a week. Um, but you know, so the meditation and baths. I mean, working with the lunar cycle is for me pretty crucial. And even if you don't really want to work with it too much, at least being aware of, or oh, this is the new moon, we're now in the waxing phase, that's the go for it phase, or this is the full moon, we're now in the waning phase, that's the let it go phase. Trying to live in accordance with the lunar cycle, I mean, it's just life-changing. So I I do that and I highly recommend that to people. Once when I did a workshop actually with Doreen Virtue back in the day and you had to sort of go inside and get messages for yourself, my big message that came out was take lots of holidays because I was working really hard at the time. So I, I still kind of live by that. I take off with the family as much as we can. I don't know. What about you? What do you do, Donna? I do lots of things. Um, my big thing is the way I start my day definitely is kind of my own self-care practice, I guess. So yeah. um, I am a big advocate of the miracle morning. So in the morning I do start my day with a bit of silence. So that might be gratitude or that might be some meditation. And then I do my affirmations and my visualization practice. I always read in the morning. I always journal in the morning. And then I normally finish. Sometimes I don't exercise every day, but I mean, I do exercise, I guess, every day because I take my dog for a walk. But um, I like to do a bit of yoga in the morning or sometimes I go for a run. Yeah. Um, someone was saying to me the other day that it's really important, even if you don't do exercise, to stretch every day. So, yeah, which I think is really important as well. I agree with that. And I do tend to do a bit of stretching. I, I can't say I do proper yoga every day. Um, when I find myself in the living room doing yoga, I feel really blessed because I know it means I'm in a good space mentally that I've actually found the time to do that. But at least I do a bit of stretching. 
as well. Exactly. I think I also just like to just do what just do one thing, whether it takes me five minutes or an hour or however long it takes me every day that is just for me. So, you know, I'm quite lucky, like you were saying with your husband that in my relationship, my boyfriend is very like, you know, you go do your thing, I'll do my thing. So I'm really lucky in that I have quite a bit of space to do what I need to do as well. So and that's something that I've never really I've never really put my own self-care to the front of my mind until the last sort of two years. So Right, yeah. Cool. So my last question, uh, the question I ask everybody is, if you had to give every woman on the planet one book, what would that book be? Hmm. Aside from your own one, or you can say your own books. (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Um... I know it would be um, a book and it wouldn't be just every woman. It would be every person because I have a son, you know, I'm as much as I'm all about the divine feminine. When I, when I think of a question like that, I want to help the boys as well. <laughs> I'm just saying um, uh, it would be a book by uh, the 19th century metaphysician from New York, Florence Gavel Shin, The Game of Life yeah. and How to Play It. No, I've heard a lot about that book, but I've never read it. So I'll have to give that one a go. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, yeah, The Game of Life and How to Play It. I've given probably 20, 30 copies away in my life. Really? Wow, that's amazing. Must be a good book then. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and I look forward to speaking to you really soon.